We're going to be looking uh, at, a, at a passage or a group of, of scriptures from the book of Luke. The book of Luke was written by a man who was a, a physician, and he wrote this book to, uh, to a group of Christians, to believers, to encourage them and say, hey, I've heard all these rumors about who God is, who Jesus is, and who, what Jesus said that he did and what his followers say he did. But just to verify that this is all true and right, I did an investigation. And in my investigation, this is what I found. And so he lists out the life of Jesus. And we're going to be looking uh, at the birth of Jesus Christ today. And it's, it's Luke chapter 2, verses 1, all the way up to verse um, 18. So it's, I know it's a lot of, it's a lot of verse. So I'm going to read it expressively, hopefully, to keep our kids' attention. And um, if you fall asleep while I'm reading the verse, I'll, uh, I'll let you know when I'm done so you can wake back up. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child." And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lied him in a manger because there was no place, no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on peace uh, and on earth, peace among those with whom he's well pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child and all who heard it wondered about what the shepherds told them. This is God's word to us. Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you for your word. I ask that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to understand with fresh perspective who you are and what that means for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So if I could have uh, all the children, really, if you're okay with your child coming up front, it'd be really preschool age uh, up to, you know, fourth or fifth grade. It's, you know, it's just a little participation. I just need some help figuring some things out about the life of Mary Joseph and baby Jesus. Parents, you can come sit on the front row if you'd like so you can stick close to your kid. I know the thought of letting your kid come up front can be kind of intimidating. Like, what's my kid going to do up there? Hey, Ada. Hi. Hey, bud. So kiddos, did you hear the story I just read from the Bible? You didn't hear it. All right, well, we're going to talk about it right now. All right. So um, 
So do you know what we celebrate at Christmas? What do we celebrate? Birth, God, God's birth, the birth of Jesus. Yeah, and so I just read a little bit of a story about... You've got a bunny book? So, um, so the story I just read from the Bible, one of the things that I want you all to know is that the Bible is actually about real people. And that's really important for the adults to remember too, because sometimes when, when adults, when we think about the Bible, we make the mistake of going, oh, well, those are really, those are people from a long, long time ago. They didn't know a whole lot of things. Um, they didn't have tablets like we've got tablets. Their tablets were made out of stone. Right? And so we think that maybe they weren't, they weren't the same as us. But the reality is that the human condition is exactly the same. So when we read about Mary and Joseph and when we read about the shepherds, we're really, we, can, we can identify with them and we can know that they probably responded exactly the same way that we would respond. And so the, the rulers called for a census. A census is what you do when you, when you count everybody who is in your town or everybody who's in your city or everybody that's in your nation. And they called for this census. And what they had to do is they had to go back to the city that their parents were from. And so Joseph had to go to Bethlehem, but he lived in Nazareth. And so Joseph and his pregnant fiance had to go 70 miles. They had to walk 70 miles to Bethlehem. That is a lot of miles. Have you ever seen a really pregnant woman walk? It looks kind of like that. For 70 miles in the desert. Have you ever walked in the desert? I haven't. I imagine it's probably pretty miserable. Have you ever walked 70 miles? I imagine the combination of those things was really terrible. And so it was actually 70 miles on a map, parents, but it was probably, they probably walked somewhere up to 90 miles because you don't walk as the bird flies, clearly. Um, in, our, in our stories, we, we try and figure out, did they ride a donkey or did they ride a camel? We think they probably rode a donkey uh, because they didn't have a lot of money. They weren't people of great means. And it if they had had means, they probably would have used a camel. No matter how you cut it, that is not comfortable. So I'll just, I, we have got four kids. My wife did all the hard work and I can't imagine her riding on a donkey at nine months pregnant. And so that's probably about what Mary did. And so they showed up in Bethlehem. And was there room for them in the hotel? No. What did the innkeeper say? We have no room. No space. This is a warning. I mean, really, uh, it's hard to make space for Jesus sometimes, right? Because we're so busy with our, with our school. We get so busy with our, with our games. We get so busy with our our calendars, that sometimes we forget to make room for Jesus in our hearts the same way the innkeeper forgot to make room for Jesus in his inn. And so what happened? Where'd they have to go? Outside to a stable. And they ended up in the stable and they had the baby in the stable. Congratulations, Mary. You, you are a mother of a strapping baby boy. Congratulations, don't you wish it was this easy? <laughs> Just drop 40 pounds and the people hand you a baby. Congratulations, Mary and Joseph. So they have a baby in a barn. 
And the story is pretty crazy. The story says that the baby was going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Now, swaddling clothes, there's nothing weird about that. Swaddling clothes, you know, have you ever seen a baby wrapped up real tight? Just because they sleep better that way, right? Because then to mommy's tummy, they're like this, right? Like real tight. And so we wrap them up real tight when they come out and they love it. They love it and they sleep better that way, right? You seen somebody swaddle a baby? It's kind of the same thing. It was standard care. Is that above their head? Standard care for a, for a Palestinian child at that time. And so they were providing standard care for this child, but in the most unusual of places. And from that, we can draw some encouragement that there was some order in the midst of this disorder. There was some control in the midst of all of this chaos, kind of like this moment right now. But what exists in a barn other than Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus? Animals, donkeys. What sound do donkeys make? <laughs> what, what sound do horses make? I heard somebody say horses. What kind of other animals? A sheep. What kind of sound does a sheep make? That's good. That's good. A pig, not in a Jewish stable. But what sound does a pig make? We'll go for it. There we go. Good pig moist. That's good. Any other kinds of animals? A cow. cow. I think they would see a cow. Moo. Do you think they'd have a llama? Do you think? Do you you think? Check it out. This was like they were in a barn. With animals. Can you even believe it? Can you imagine your brother, your baby brother, your baby sister sleeping in a barn with animals? No. What was baby Jesus lying in? A manger. Do you know what a manger is? Yeah, they used it as a crib. It's, it's like a bowl for animals. And so baby Jesus was laying in the thing that they fed the animals out of. That is a cool looking animal. That is a, can I touch him? Not, don't touch his face. Do they spit? I'm not touching him. We'll talk later. There's a good song about llamas. There are a lot of songs about llamas. Yeah, you can go. Just hopefully it, there's so much that could go wrong in this moment. I'm just afraid it's going to happen on the stage. Thank you, Lama. Let's give it up for the Lama. All right, so hey, kiddos, if you are in preschool, go sit with your parents. If you're singing in the, in the elementary choir, you can go ahead and go out into the hallway, and you're going to get ready for your performance, which is about to go down in about 10 minutes. So if you're singing, if you're on the elementary Christmas choir, just head back there to those doors. Follow Mr. Larry, Miss Doris, Miss Shanique. <laughs> Last year we brought out a donkey and it lived up to its namesake. They had to drag it by the head across the stage. 
And then it made a mess backstage. So we fired the donkey from all things stage related. So uh, when we dismiss the service, we've got the live nativity. It'll be set outside. You can pet the sheep and the goats and uh, get a selfie with the llama if you so desire. Um, But parents, I want to encourage you real quickly just with four thoughts related to this nativity story that I read tonight. I've already said some of the things to the children and uh, gave some commentary to us tonight. But, um, but what I really want to allow you to leave with is that Jesus shows up at an unexpected place, at an unexpected time, with an unexpected message to an unexpected people. And I want to just hit on all four of those things very quickly and hopefully as an encouragement to you that God wants to show up in your middle of the night as he did for the shepherds and that he wants to inspire you with peace and hope and joy that doesn't just last when there's a Christmas tree in your living room, but you'd be able to, to be aware of and to accept uh, the peace, the joy, and the hope of Jesus Christ and carry it with you throughout the year. Because it is something that has nothing to do with the weather. It doesn't have to be cool outside to experience the hope of Christmas. It doesn't have to have, we don't have to have Christmas lights on our houses to experience the peace of hope. But it's something that we can tap into, but we've got to be mindful of it. And sometimes we just got to be aware that it's even there in the first place. So whether you have a relationship with Jesus and you've been walking with him for a long time, or you're just kind of peering in from the outside and trying to decide, is this something I want to give myself to? I hope that you can be encouraged. He showed up in an unexpected place. He showed up in Bethlehem, a small, insignificant town that was outside of the place of power. You know, if, if a king is going to be born with a proclamation by angels and heavenly hosts and lights shining and, and everything else, you would expect it to happen somewhere significant, in a palace somewhere. You would expect the pronouncement of the king that's going to sit on a throne forever to happen on a much bigger stage in a much more significant moment, not in the middle of the, dar- not in the, middle of the night, out in the field. And certainly not born in a barn. And just for our own kind of syncing things up, the, the idea isn't that they got there, they went, to the, they went to the inn and then had the baby that night. They were there for a little while. Uh, when, you, when you travel by foot, you make, room, you make room in your schedule to spend time in a place. It's kind of like if you're going to travel to, if you're going to travel, I, I looked at Sharon, if you're going to travel to India, you don't, you don't go for two days. Right? Like if you go to India, you're like, we're going to make some time and we're going to see some people. We're going to eat some stuff and we're going to do some things. And that's the way that they would have approached any trip like this. And so when they went to take the census, they would have taken, they would have taken time and they would have, they would have been there for just a little while. Jesus wants to show up in the most unexpected places. You know, I think the greatest mistake we could make is think that Jesus doesn't want to show up in your finances. And he doesn't want to show up in your marriage. Maybe your marriage is so broken that you would think that Jesus would have nothing to do with it, but that's exactly where he wants to insert himself. Maybe you're, maybe you're struggling in your finances and you're like, I've made a mess of my finances. It's my mess. I've got to clean it up. And I want to encourage you. That's exactly where Jesus wants to insert himself. Maybe your whole life 
has been in opposition to God and you're like, I've been running from him. I've rejected him. I'm not, I don't even, I didn't even think about being interested in him until now or recently, or you're still not interested. You're like, this isn't for me. This this is exactly the kind of place that God wants to insert himself in. Because when he does it, nobody else can take credit for it. Because when God shows up in your life and starts to change things and bring transformation into your situation, you won't be able to take credit for it because if you could have done it, you would have done it. Y'all, I know that's the case for my life. That God has showed up in all of the places I least expected him to show up. That I would even be considered to be a pastor is, is, is kind of silly to me because I know me. And you know you. I want to encourage you that he wants to show up for you. He showed up in an unexpected time. This promise about Jesus being born was a promise that was thousands of years in the making. When God created man, he created us with the intent of us having a relationship with him. He was going to be our God. We would be his people. We would serve him. We would bear his image. We would cover the whole earth. And we would, we would have dominion over the earth under his reign and in his likeness. So our reign on the earth would have been, would have been kind and loving and good and gracious and merciful. It would have been the same way that he desires to lead us. But because of sin, we've been separated from God and we live in a compromised version of what he intends for us. But God's not satisfied to see us in this compromised position. And so he sees man suffering and struggling under the weight of sin, struggling under the weight of guilt and shame and and feeling insecure and hurting and, and longing for something better. And he's like, I've got your something better. I am your something better. I'm on my way and I'm going to destroy sin and shame and guilt. And I'm even going to overcome death. But there are some things that need to take place before I do so. In the long wait, people gave up hoping. And the long wait between the times that the promises were made and Jesus came on the scene, they gave up hope. Some people held on to hope. They they hoped for what we call the consolation of Israel, the peace of Israel, that God was going to come and bring peace and he was going to set everything to be right and everything was going to be okay. But have you ever had to wait for something so long that your heart just gets so sick that you just, you wither away on the inside? This is what happened to a whole group of people. And to this withered away people in the darkness of night, in the darkness of their soul, Jesus shows up when you would least expect him to show up. Not at a significant holiday, not in a significant moment. He shows up. Sometimes we're waiting for God to come on our timing. Some of us tonight are hurting because you needed God to come through and you didn't feel like he did. But I want to promise you that it's not that he won't. Maybe he came through and it wasn't the way that you expected it to because he came at an unexpected place. Maybe he came and you didn't accept it because he came at an unexpected time. But I do want to promise you that he's coming. The promise is for us today that he'll meet us right now. He came with an unexpected message. The message he brought to the shepherds, he didn't unpack all of of what he was going to do. 
They didn't unpack that he was going to become a great teacher, a great rabbi. He was going to be identified with the greatest prophets in Israel's history. They didn't talk about how the fact that he was going to be wrongly accused and falsely tried. They didn't talk about the fact that he was going to die on a cross and rise from the dead. The message they shared is that you were going to find this baby with order in the midst of disorder. You're going to know him because there's going to be complete care and peace and comfort and rule in a place that it doesn't belong. The message that he brought was, was not the message necessarily that they wanted to hear, but it's the message that they absolutely needed to have. I've shared this on Sunday mornings. I might as well now. I know my wife and I had a whole lot of debt. We had IRS debt. We had college debt. We had credit card debt. We had car debt. We had medical debt. Is there any other kind of debt? We had it all except for gambling debt because I didn't have money to gamble. (laughs) And so we had all sorts of different kinds of debt and we cried out to God and we were like, God, we need you to just give us a million bucks so we can pay off this debt. That'd be real great. Thank you. And we pray this prayer faithfully. But then what happened is God, the message that God brought to us was, hey, great news. We're going to get you out of debt. We're like, yes, Jesus. More Jesus. We got real charismatic. Hallelujah. (laughs) We were feeling really good about it. By the way, we amen and stuff in our church. So like if you, you can laugh out loud and you can say amen and you can be like, yeah, that's good. And I'll be like, yeah, thanks. Like, I won't talk back to you, but you'll know because I'll like keep going and I'll be like excited. It's encouraging to me because I know we're on the same page, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about right now is my gambling debt. No. <laughs> so, but what the message that God brought was, hey, I'm going to get you out of debt. And I was like, God, that sounds amazing. Thank you. Where's the check coming from? And he's like, it's coming because you're going to eat rice and beans for a couple of years. Yeah, and you're not going to go out to the restaurants you want to go to that your friends are going to. Your dates are going to look like 7-Eleven Slurpees and it's going to look like drive-through Sundays from McDonald's. And if you really want to spring, David, you can go to a non-tipping restaurant and share a drink. (laughs) Share that fountain drink. Just don't get ice. That's the trick. It's not the message that we wanted to hear, but it's the message that we needed because God was not interested in just taking me out of my pain and taking me out of my struggle and out of my discomfort. He was interested in changing me and transforming me so that as I came out of it, I was a changed and different man. Does that make sense? So the message that Jesus would bring to you during this season is maybe not the message that you want to hear. You just want it all to go away. But what he wants to do is transform you and change you all together and bring you and, and make you new through a process. Okay, so let's keep going. It was an unexpected message to an unexpected people. Shepherds, really? In Bethlehem? Think of your country place. Halfway past wherever you think far is. You know where the accent's so thick you don't even understand it anymore? One of those places. He's not impressed by status. He's not impressed by by look. He's not impressed by fame or power that we would have. God has has a God complex and he's impressed with himself. But he's hardly impressed with us. And so this most important message went to a bunch of shepherds. 
And it was God's way of telling us where his value and where his priorities lie. You want to know what impressed God about these shepherds? Their response. They made haste. They took off after the angel. Like they, it says they were terrified because the angels aren't the real nice fluffy cherub naked little heart playing angels when we read about the angels in the bible these are the angels that are terrifying the ones with big swords and the ones that are majestic and powerful it's like close encounters of the third kind kind of thing and and it was a terrifying thing if you encounter an angel i talked about this last sunday but i do not want an encounter with an angel of of the archangel type i would like the kind of angel that shows up and like changes my tire and then moves on and i'm like oh that was cool they just disappeared you know, somebody pays your bill and then they disappear and we're like, we just had the coolest conversation with Joe. Oh, Joe must have been an angel. That's the kind of angel that I want to encounter. But that's not the kind of angel that was making these announcements. It was a terrifying thing to these people. The shepherds were like, hey, you, we better get going. Let's go check out this baby Jesus. I wondered how that was going to go over. In fact, I took it off my notes. I just couldn't contain myself. (laughs) But that would have been what impressed Jesus the most is their response. God decided to speak to them. God decided to reveal this to them. But it's their response that makes them known for all generations as an example of how to respond to the good news. This baby would become a great teacher. He would become a great rabbi. He would be called king of the Jews. He would be falsely, well, wrongly accused and falsely tried. He would be hung on a cross. And if he had done all of these things, he would still just be a blip in the radar of history if he hadn't risen from the dead. This baby was born in the shadow of a cross that he would die on some 33 33 or so years later. But death wouldn't keep him down. And when he rose from the dead, he proved that he is who he says he is by doing what he said he would do. And the message for us today, I'm no angel. There are no sheep. There is no great light. I mean, these are kind of bright. There is no great light, but there's a message for us today. And it's that Jesus is still alive. He's seated at the right hand of God. He desires to be your king. He desires to be your savior. He desires to be your hope and your joy. He desires to be your God. His desire and my hope tonight is that you would decide to surrender to his goodness, to accept his love, receive his forgiveness, and and decide to follow him. Can you pray with me if you bow your heads? If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, or you've run from him for a long time, or or even a short time, and you want to return to him tonight, You're done trying things your own way, but you hear him, you feel him tugging on your heart and speaking to you and saying, this is for you. You hear in your your heart of hearts and in your mind that God is saying, it's time to follow me. It's time to surrender to me. 
It doesn't mean that you have all the answers. It doesn't mean that you have every question has been satisfactory, has been answered with satisfaction. But you know it's time to take this leap of faith. Can you raise your hand so I can pray with you tonight? hands. You can put your hand down after you raise it. You know, it's not about raising your hand that brings salvation. It's about an expression of faith. It's about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is God. That Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. And by that, you are saved. 